Hello and welcome to my compilation episodes of Silence, a podcast where women in science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, originally a mechanical engineer myself and often the odd one out as a dark-skinned female in engineering. Silence has been running every week for a whole year now, and to celebrate, I've put together a series of six short compilation episodes, which feature an assortment of the best sound bites over the last quarter. The guests you'll hear from over the next six days are true wonder women in STEM, and as with all episodes, I deliberately keep them anonymous so that all can enjoy some honesty, openness, and a little bit of vulnerability. This show is not about labels, accolades, and accomplishments. That stuff can be intimidating. It's about the wisdom gained from the experiences of some incredibly unique and trailblazing women who are tackling the issues around gender, diversity and inclusivity head on. The last year of silence has been so inspiring. Thank you all for joining me on this incredibly empowering journey. Here's the best from episodes 27 to 39. Please do subscribe, rate and review the show and enjoy. You know, those experiences trying to help others it just, it opened up my eyes to the fact that, you know, people aren't dumb. People just need to get their information in different ways. And depending on how patient you are, that can make a world of a difference. And unfortunately, an environment like school means that a teacher may not have the resources to be able to go to each student and make sure that they understand in the way that it was presented. So I would say that I did not start with the confidence, um, nor did I have... I knew kind of where I wanted to go, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. And I think life taught me to be resilient and life taught me that not everything's perfect and that there's no way to be perfect. Um, I think it also taught me that juggling is okay and that it can work and still be a healthy environment for the people you love. And I also think that you get knocked down a lot. I know I've been knocked down quite a few times. and that the getting back up from being knocked down is where the strength comes from. So I don't think that it's possible when you're 15, 20, 25, or even 30 to have such a core inner strength. I think that it builds over time and becomes bigger and bigger based on the life that you lead and the experiences that you have. Um, I feel like I followed it because I just thought it was so interesting and so vast. I just knew that in school, what I was learning was just the tip of the iceberg, that there was so much more to math than that. And to be honest, I also thought of math as a beautiful form of art. Um, I guess to give it context, things like learning about the golden ratio and how it's basically this equation that says that there are shapes that appeal to our minds. Like the credit card is not just some random rectangle that they chose to make that shape. It actually derives from math. And there are so many things in nature that derive from math. It's the reason why, uh, what is it, a four-leaf clover is hard to find. Um, The Fibonacci sequence kind of dictates the kind of petals you'll find on a flower. And, you know, learning more about that, more beyond just solving problems, and learning more about the equations themselves and how they're reflected in our everyday life without us even noticing it, I just thought that was amazing. And that's kind of why I fell in love with math itself. 
for the first, I guess, uh, seven or eight years of my career before I hit that that seven month em- uh, unemployment, you know, uh, space. A lot of it was, I mean, if you don't know who you are, especially when you, whether you're a woman or what have you, or you're not clear in what your, what your beliefs are, there's always going to be somebody there willing to try to tell you, this is what you should think, or this is what you should believe. That's why it's so important to figure out who you are. So early on, I didn't feel that way. Now I feel very much like I can be myself because of how I think about the source of my good and the fact that a job or a position or a role is never the source. It's always the channel. And I also believe in a, I'm not a lack and limitation person. I'm an abundant person. And I've had life experience telling me that, okay, if this job dries up or something changes, there'll be something else coming, you know, down the pipeline for me. So that too, not being driven by fear, of what's going to happen if I say this, or if I'm this way, if I'm truthful, I've I, I found that people, always appreciate honesty, whether or not, you know, you can be, you can be um, compassionate about it. You don't have to be mean or nasty, but you can be honest and direct. And I think people appreciate that more so than you're being wishy-washy because you're worried about how they're going to respond to you. Yeah, I think I actually do have drive. That's probably a correct assessment, but I have drive to be the best person that I can possibly be and to positively influence those around me, whether it be my home life or my work life or my friends. Um, I just take it very much to heart. And so I think my heart leads me and then the rest of me follows those sentiments. I don't, I wouldn't say that it's frustrating, but I think it really downgraded the word engineer a lot. So um, it, it will be it would be nice if people understand that engineers don't just use their hands, but we actually use our brain more. We are basically more like a problem solver rather than just get a spanner and, you know, tighten a nut. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't mind that. It could also be fun too, but, you know, there's only one aspect of, you know, our work. You know, it did for a long time because when I was in high school, I was definitely a doormat. And these are the things that contributed to me falling into depression. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to start trouble. I was going to be in these classes with these people for the next two, three years. So I'm not about to escape it. And I'm also not the type to make enemies. I like to believe that everyone has the potential to be a friend. And... Yeah, making enemies just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. So, you know, I'm, I have mentioned it. I may mention it on one or two occasions, but if you don't get it, then you don't want to get it. And I feel like I, I only finally got my voice when I went to college because for the first time, I was with a large amount of Black people who were smart and Black, which meant that for the first time, I was neither of those things. I was just a person. And so people could actually get to know who I was because I wasn't the smart one and I wasn't the black one. And, you know, that just, that was such an amazing experience for me. It was the first time that I could truly appreciate that I was something outside of what everyone else was telling me. I hated being just a smart person. Like, what does that even mean? I hated just being a black person. Can't I just be a person too? And I only got that when I was with, with people who would have had the same labels as me. And I've always been pretty confident in class. 
And I don't think my age has... I think, if anything, my age, like, growing up has kind of made me more confident in a way because I've kind of, like... Like, I was... Like, before I was kind of afraid of, like, saying things in class and then getting them wrong and being, like, embarrassed. But now I'm like, do you know what? Saying things wrong is part of learning. So if someone asks a question, I'll say what I think is the answer. And then if I'm wrong, I'll be like, oh, whatever. And sometimes I say it out loud just to be like, oh, haha, like, that was embarrassing. <laughs> but it's like, I learned from it. And um, I don't know, I just think that I've just kind of learned over time that, like, even if I do things wrong, it's, it nothing hurts to be more out there and to put my ideas out there and be more confident in class. In my current community, there is a sort of um, encouragement around the idea of just learning the concept and not letting your grades or the numbers affect how you deal with that. Because I feel like it is normal for you to see a grade and be like, oh, okay, so if I get an F in this subject, that means I'm not good at it. But sometimes like if you get a bad grade in a certain subject, you just take that as a chance to like reflect on what you can do better next time. And I feel like that's a big part of what my current school is teaching. And so I'm surrounded with a lot of people that are not giving up, I guess, now. But I, I know that like at my old school, um, my first two years of high school, when I did go to an all-girls school, like grades were everything. And like a lot of the girls um, would see a bad grade and just be like, okay, so I'm not good at English then. And but but I feel like it just depends on what part, what community you're a part of and how you um, understand certain things. Right. Imposter syndrome. There we go. Imposter syndrome where there's, there's this self-doubt, you know, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Do I belong here? Am I going to be found out? You know, and uh, you always want to give other impression that, you know, you're cool, you're good with it, you you know, this is nothing, and you you don't want to be singled out as the person who has the problem. You obviously you're getting you know uh rated you're getting graded, you're getting um recommendations from these people that you are witnessing engaging in these questionable things. So, and you know that the power that they have to shape your entire career is, um, it's real. So that's a very good question. I don't know that I have a true answer for that. I think that everybody figures it out in a different way, in a different pace. I think sometimes it's pointed out to you. Um, I think that other times you figure it out, but there's not really a way to articulate what it is. And for me, I didn't figure out what it is that I bring to the table truly, like what my core value is until much later in life. I had thought it was the fact that I would work 80 to 100 hours a week without complaining or that I would learn the fastest or that I would be able to sell the most or that I had the highest performing team. I mean, those were things or that we, my team's got the awards, you know. I can't help but wonder as we talk um, you know, you're, you you just come across as being such an incredible human being. I, I wonder, 
like what is your husband like I mean is he proud of you intimidated by you is he under the thumb uh is he more dominating like what's he like and so you know a lot of times uh men and have their views about women that they're not even conscious of just like women have their views about men that a lot of times we're not even conscious of and so when you start to interact with different genders you know and you're not used to interacting with that gender in that environment sometimes some of that stuff comes to the surface and that's the blessing when you think about the universe and why I come into when I think about why I've been, I have interacted with people. A lot of times it's a bigger, um, there's a bigger story involved. And it's not just about that one particular interaction. Um, it's not about that one situation, whether it's, you know, good or bad, because I look at it as all, as all good for whether it's a lesson I've learned or whatever the case may have been. Um, it, it's one of those scenarios that, like I said, it, it's helped me grow a lot. I know with science, it's ever changing. As soon as something new comes out, a new piece of evidence, it could change a whole theory from the top down. You know, I think it was self-realization. I am generally a really happy, I'm a really happy person. And people would describe me as someone who's always smiling. But, you know, I have gone through really tough times in my life. I was suicidal in high school. Um, I've been in bad relationships. And I realized that, you know, I was adding to my own misery because I'm so focused on doing, having good grades. And I'm so focused on being the captain of my athletic teams that I couldn't even stop and care about myself. And so after basically experiencing the bad and finally getting out of that, I was like, what can I possibly do to make sure this never happens again? At the end of the day, we need to be comfortable with our own skin. I think this is the thing. And it actually boils down to whether we are confident about ourselves or not. If, if someone is not very confident, it really doesn't matter how much accomplishment a person has. He or she will always feel like they are being judged and, and therefore they will be pressured to do something. So one of the things I think we all need to learn, whether we are male or female, is that we, we have to have some confidence about ourselves. I mean, otherwise we live for others. We don't live for ourselves. Yes, absolutely. So I think, you know, that for me, a really good litmus test is how do I feel after a conversation with someone? Do I feel empowered, uplifted, excited, motivated, or do I feel self-doubt, diminished, demeaned, you know? And if I really check in with myself, it's pretty clear, you know, the people that are healthy influences that I want to, you know, spend time with and learn from and uh, be mentored by and people that are, you know, more toxic or unhelpful, we could just say. So it's finding those real champions and spending time with them. No, I didn't do anything about it. And I didn't leave because of the, the men. I, I left, honestly, because I just wanted more time with my family. I mean, I, I did get, I was definitely fed up with it. And, um, 
And if I think about it, you know, there's some amount of resentment and, and anger. And, and so I do hope the newer generations don't have to go through it. That would be really nice. It, it, I find it hard to believe because I know when I was in my 20s, I thought, oh, that, that time period's behind us. Women don't have to go through that anymore. And I was dead wrong. So hopefully it really honestly has changed for women now. You know, in some situations, I'm the only constant factor that I have. When I move into a new school and everyone's already friends, I'm the only person that will be me Since being in Girls in STEM and seeing all of the speakers we have or guests that come in, that really inspires me. And especially when they're an alumni. And that's why another reason why I think what we're doing with the younger girls at our school is so important because seeing someone that is on the same path as you makes it seem like it's more attainable. So it's easier to see yourself in their shoes doing what they're doing or doing something similar to what they're doing that's interesting to you. So it wasn't until I had put a little bit of distance behind me that I realized how much of my true beliefs and feelings I had been, you know, editing, uh, curating, suppressing uh, out of a, really what was fear, fear of, of being rejected, fear of not, um, fear of ridicule, you know, because there's a lot of that as well. There's this groupthink mentality. And when people start expressing thoughts and feelings that are outside of that, um, they become targets. And at that time in my life, I didn't possess, you know, really, I don't know what it is, the courage (laughs) to uh, just unapologetically, you know, state my views. And when you have a female that is actually good, people look at you and think you get to where you are just because you're a female. So when when I get my job, when I get my job, I remember I was still in in a foreign country because I did my PhD somewhere else. So when I told my uh, colleagues there that I got a job, the first thing they said was, oh, you got it because you're a female. And it actually also happened to my other black and other black colleagues. He got a job because he's black. But you see, because of this biasness, you know, it it kind of um, undermined the effort we have put in in order to get to where we are. It's a matter of what you like and whether you're determined to do something. And people interest do change. And that's why I think it's quite important not to put anyone, including ourselves, into a box. And that's why, you know, when we were asked how we were like in a child or, you know, what we wanted to do when we were a child, in a sense, it really doesn't mean a lot, if you see what I mean, because, you know, we are who we are today and that's actually what is important. Well, I am a huge believer in uh, mentorship. And so finding that teacher, that, you know, after school math club led by, you know, a strong woman in math or science, or even a man, you know, who believes in you and is going to support and encourage you in your pursuit, that is a game changer. Exactly. So I thought, so, you know, I might as well like me. And if I don't like me, then um, I'm going to change myself so I do like me. 
um, like especially in my um, calculus class, um, no one participates in the class even when the answers are very obvious. So I started t saying the answers when I knew them and I was, I'm so afraid of like being seen as a know-it-all and like people thinking that I'm like a teacher's pet because I've gotten that so many times and it's, it's really annoying and it's, um, it's very disheartening when you hear that over and over again, when you're just trying to, to be yourself, because one time, like I answered a, a question on the board and the teacher like wrote the answer. And I said, Oh, you wrote it. Like the, the, I didn't say that, like you wrote it wrong. And all the guys in my class were like, okay, like you're being such a know-it-all, like stop it. You're being so annoying. And I was just like, like, I became so like, just like, I became so sad. Like I just didn't want to talk anymore in the class. Like I just became really like, and then it took the teacher saying, I appreciate what you bring to the class for me to say, like, you know, it doesn't matter what they think. Like, I enjoy math. Like, I'm going to talk during it. And I'm going to share my thoughts. I totally believe that. In fact, I recently had a female colleague say something to me about that, that, you know, I am never one of the ones that want to go to the forced fun. And I don't actually look at it that way. I look at that I'm one of the ones that doesn't want to put myself in a position where I have to explain myself later. And my life experience has shown me that putting myself in that position only hurts me and my career and my respect within the workplace. So I just choose to very rarely um, attend those types of events. And when I do, it's because I'm putting them on and my staff is involved and I control the boundaries and the rules. And then occasionally I have to do it. I, my, my CEO might put something on where I'm obligated to go or, you know, somebody it's a large corporate event. But other than that, I really do try to steer clear of that because I found for me that that makes it easier to maintain what's my core purpose in that organization and who I personally am. And that doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we are starting to see, I think, post Me, me Too movement. Well, Me Too is in progress and you know, I feel like this show in a way is contributing to that because these are the Me Too stories for women in STEM, right? That you're telling and being a part of bringing out into, of bringing a voice to. I had to make sacrifices on the family side that I wish I had not made. Like I said, you know, not spending as much time with my children going up as I should have. Um, I, I do regret that. And I think that's the reason why I finally just said enough's enough. You know, I'm, I'm going to start spending more time um, when the, the last three were at home. Two, the first two were already gone at that point, but there, I still had three at home at that point. And I just said, I, I got to stay home more. Um, I haven't, actually. I wish I could say that I had since I was young, but I hadn't. I was at the beginning very focused on my career and succeeding up the ladder. But once I had girls... Um, it really changed me substantially. It made me look at the younger generations differently. It made me think, what can I do to set that example? And it made me think, what type of world do I want them to come into? Um, and I'll tell you, some of my views here are controversial because I don't want my girls to grow up thinking that they should get a job just because they're a woman. I don't want them to think that 
okay, well, we have to put somebody on our board. Therefore, it's going to be you, even if you're not as qualified as the person sitting next to you. What I want for them is I want them to be as good as or better than the competition and to get those positions because they're the best and because they strove to be the best. Um, and, and, and I know that that's not what everybody believes, but for me, I want them to be change makers in the world. And the only way you can do that is if you go through this process of developing your inner core and of always trying for self-improvement and always relooking at yourself and knowing you're, you're so far from perfect that you have to work on it every single day. In a lot of my classes, just in general, the guys seem more confident. I'm more of an introverted person, so for me, I don't know, like I'm not very confident in class sometimes, depending on the class, but just the boys versus the girls, they always seem more confident, and so, I don't know, I, I guess it's kind of a hard question. That's it from this series of six compilation episodes from shows 27 to 39. Please do subscribe, rate and review the show and catch you tomorrow for more from the best of silence.